episode 113 of the Half Point for Podcast. I am joined by my co-host today, Dalton Willie. No producer Johnny Fam. This is his uh, third of three excused absences for the year, assuming Johnny will be back every week from here on out. The kid is still boondoggling all over Europe, but I've got Dalton with me. Dalton, we've got a loaded show today. We've got bus to get to later on. Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott both actually signed with teams. We can talk about that and the fallout there. But first, how are you doing on uh, this fine Wednesday evening? I'm doing good. Uh, We are three weeks away from real NFL action. We get some ETR action with the Browns this weekend. I'm ready for him to replace Deshaun Watson as the opening starter. So it's a good week. Yeah, you know, I, what you say, three weeks until opening week? Is that where we're at? That's what you said? I believe it's three weeks. Gosh, it really, like, we just need it to be sooner than that because I feel like we are starting to get to some ridiculousness on Twitter with fantasy football and just football takes in general. We're running out of things to talk about, running out of ways to talk about all of these same topics. We, uh, at least as a, as a whole, we, we really could use uh, the start of football season. But we really sure have no shortage of, of stuff today. Uh, off the top, before I forget, uh, Traylon Burks should at least mention he went down with a non-contact injury earlier today. Kind of feared the worst when we saw it. A report just came in moments before we started recording this that it was a, a sprained LCL. So... Looking pretty good, uh, all things considering. He'll miss a little bit of time, but maybe he's back for the regular season, maybe not. But a big relief there after uh, we saw what happened. Dalton, I'm sure, will maybe talk about that in more detail in our rank and or whatever later on as we kind of have more idea of a, of a firm timeline. Uh, I'll say this off the top of the show for once. Uh, if you can go subscribe to the YouTube page, Half Point Per Podcast, join us live for shows. That is always appreciated. The show is available anywhere you get your podcast. We are live on Wednesdays. Podcast comes out on Thursdays. We appreciate all of you who have tuned in so far this preseason. And we are, boy, we, we are almost there, Dalton. We're getting there. And how I know we're almost there is finally Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. They have new homes. We'll start with Dalvin Cook. He signs a one-year deal worth up to $8.6 million with the Jets. And on that same day, very coincidentally, Brees Hall activated off the PUP. I don't know how much he's done in practice this week, but he is at least activated. That is good news. Um, what did you make of, of the Dalvin Cook signing? What do you make of this backfield now that we now that we have the whole picture? Uh, I mean, when it comes to Dalvin Cook, I think we're all, anybody who's looked at some of the underlying stats last year was pretty sure he was washed. He, he lost a lot of his burst at the line of scrimmage. He was 23 out of 32 qualifying running backs with at least 100 attempts uh, when it comes to yards after contact. So it's not like he's getting away from guys anymore. And he's playing behind an offensive line that is as bad, if not worse, than what he was playing behind in uh, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I don't, I think you and I are both in agreement, which probably isn't a popular opinion, that this Jess offense is overrated going into this season. So I'm not overly excited about it. All that really hurts is it's going to take away touches for Brees Hall. Um, there's no way to really get around that. And it's pretty clear that Robert Sala and the Jets want a running back by committee, and they are going to do that regardless. So 
it is a bit of a ding to Brees Hall. I think getting him the third and fourth round where he's going is still a steal, but he's definitely not worth that that second round pick that he might be getting up to with him being activated off the pub before week one. Mm-hmm. Do you um, did you update your rankings? Do you have ranks for for Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, or do you just have like approximate where where you would have them? I think I'd still have Brees Hall within my top sixteen running backs, and Dalvin Cook would probably be top thirty if I was eyeballing it. Yeah, so that that's funny. We we feel pretty similarly about Dalvin, although I I feel he's I feel he's a little less washed than than you like. I think on a scale of one to ten, Zeke is like an eight, well eight or nine. We'll get to that maybe a little later. I think Dalvin Cook is like at a four. I think he still has got a pretty decent amount left in the tank, assuming that the shoulder's fine and and all that this season. But I I just think that this to me uh, shows some pretty real concerns with Brees Hall with the knee where he's at. I know he got activated off the pup, which is great, obviously a great sign, but. You look at the action of the team. They pay a not insignificant amount of money to bring in Dalvin Cook. Like, could he be the lead back for a month in this backfield while Brees Hall gets back? He absolutely could be. Now, I think the hope would be that down the stretch of the season, it's Brees Hall time. Brees Hall is hitting a stride, and he is uh, living up to that price that you mentioned, like a top 16 to, to 18 type of running back. But... I just have my concerns. We just saw the hiccups last year with J.K. Dobbins. We've seen guys in this age range, like a Saquon Barkley, uh, and there have been others. Uh, Javante Williams is going to be a test case this year as well. That have dealt with the ACLs. That just the first year back is tough, and bringing Dalvin Cook in is just a real sign to me. Number one, this team is very all in for this season, which was already evident by Aaron Rodgers, but even more so now, I think. And then number two. They may not be totally confident in Brees' health or in the workload that they're able to give him throughout the entire season. This is a way to at least have insurance on that. So while I have Dalvin Cook at RB29, which is about where you would have him, it sounds like, I'm a little bit lower on Brees. I more down in like that that RB26 range. I, I'm pretty pretty frightened off Brees Hall at this point. You have Brees RB26? Yeah. What do you have Javante? Like three spots ahead of him. That is insane. I he, I think he'll easily finish top 20. I mean, may, maybe he will, but I, I think maybe this is just my way of telling people that I would not draft him because I, I'm pretty concerned that he is going – like if you take him in the late second, early third, let's – well, probably like if, – if you're saying RB16, probably like mid-third. If you're taking a mid-third, I think that's just a, a one in three – start for your fantasy team waiting to happen with with kind of what we know at this point yeah i would i would do a bet with you that he's top 20 to end the in the season i mean sure why not I, I don't feel like an extreme amount of conviction in that number rank necessarily but i i do feel because i had him clear up but you know before this and it was kind of a placeholder rank i was waiting to adjust them and i was gonna move him down but I had him clear up at like RB 11, 12, something like that. And even if Dalvin didn't sign, just the longer him being on PUP went, I was going to bump him down to like fringe top 20. But I just think that even when he is healthy this season, I don't think he's going to be quite the same guy he was the year before. I think Dalvin Cook is still a pretty darn good 
NFL running back. He may not be quite the same guy, but not quite the same Dalvin Cook is still pretty good. And Brees Hall may also not be quite the same guy. So I just think Brees Hall is going to have a thorn in his side with, with Dalvin Cook all season. I'll, I'll make a note in uh, in this doc so I don't forget. Dalvin. Yeah, I mean, I think Dalvin Cook, I mean, his, his ACL tear was clean. It happened earlier in the season. It wasn't like J.K. Dobbins and Javante Williams. You mean Brees? an ACL mean and Brees. a PCL. No, it wasn't like theirs, though. Yeah, but Brees's was a clean tear. Yeah, no, no, um, I'm saying, you said Dalvin Cook. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, I meant Brees. Brees, yeah. And I really don't think Dalvin Cook was good last year. I think if you look at the majority of his underlying stats, he was not a good running back. Like, he was mediocre at best, and I think he's another year off, uh, not as good. And then there's, the, like, he's not even healthy to play. He had a sh- shoulder surgery in the offseason, mm-hmm. and he's on – like likely to land on the PUP and might not even be ready week one looking at the camp reports. Yeah. We'll see. Obviously if he's not ready week one, it's a little bit of a different story, but yeah, I, I guess I'm just going to agree to disagree on the, I, I understand the efficiency metrics. I just think when I actually watched the the Vikings last year, when he actually had room to run, I, I still thought Dalvin looked pretty good, but neither here nor there. Uh, I think we're both saying Dalvin cook fringe top 30 disagreement on on Brees, uh, but I think we can both agree that we would have much rather Dalvin Cook not signed there because even with the injury risk, if the team was confident enough to to go in with Michael Carter and you know Izzy and Bam Knight as the guys behind Brees, then I would have felt better about where Brees was at and just better about uh, the workload he would get throughout the season. And I'm sure you can probably at least agree uh, with that much. Yeah, um, but. I think they wanted to bring in a running back regardless, starting with Jameer Gibbs in the draft, going all the way through this offseason. They've been looking for someone. Yeah, and again, I I, I think that that may be a sign of, of what the workload may or may not be. We'll see. Impossible to know. Uh, okay, on the next one, Ezekiel Elliott lands in Dallas, a one-year deal, I believe, worth up to $6 million. Don't, don't know the incentives uh, for either Zeke or, or Dalvin Cook. Uh but that, that is what both their deals are worth up to. Um, what are your rankings or ballpark rankings for Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott now that we know what this backfield looks like and knowing how things have been with Ramondre Stevenson in, in New England where even when we thought he was clearly the best guy last year, when Damian Harris was there, he was involved and to a very annoying rate at that. I have him RB18. I think he's still going to catch passes out of this backfield. Uh, fun where, where, where did you have him before? Was it RB15? RB14. So you're down a couple spots. Yeah. I, I think there is a little bit of a loss in value here. I think this was going to happen regardless, but watching their first preseason game, it looked like between their three backup backs and J.J. Taylor, Harris, and Pierre Strong, they all were equally like not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zeke, at a very minimum, is going to do things that are going to take Ramondre off the field to give him rest spells which they very clearly want to do like things like pass pro um last year zeke had 17 rushing touchdowns and the new england patriots had 17 rushing touchdowns just a a fun little stat but i i don't want zeke in fantasy at all i don't think he's going to be a viable Mm -hmm. candidate at all i don't think he's very good i think he is going to aggravate Ramondre managers and get looks that you wish Ramondre would get the patriots have been very vocal including this preseason about the want to not make Ramondre wear down. And I think he's going to be like a 60-40 back. 60% Ramondre, Mm -hmm. 25-30% Zeke, and then 10% to the other three guys they have or whoever they keep on roster. Yep. 
Yeah, I, I have Zeke RB47, which is to say I'm with you that I'm not interested in Zeke himself. Uh, he, he's a, a pure backup for fantasy, I think, at this point. He was like a top 20-ish running back last year, but that was purely off of the, the 17 touchdowns that, that you just mentioned. And he probably will be involved to an annoying degree uh, in that area. But Ramondre will still catch passes. I, I, he's the, the vastly superior player. Um, whereas, like, again, we disagree on Dalvin Cook, but I think Dalvin Cook has a lot more left than Zeke. And Zeke at this point, like, I just don't think he's a a very good NFL running back as far as, like, actually running goes. Like, he's a, a great pass protector, can do some, you know, good short yardage guy. But as far as, like, the every down, you know, first and ten hand them off the ball, that, that, that Zeke is not not the same guy he used to be. But it's funny. I've gone back and forth on Ramondre all offseason. I started with him at, like, RB10, moved him down to, like, RB14, 15. And then even with this news, I have him back up at RB11. It's really not, like, not as much to do with him. It's more once I get past the first 10 guys, I just, I just don't I just don't feel good at all about about that group. And I was like, you know what? I, I kind of think I, – I knew kind of like you that I rank Ramondre with the idea of that there's going to be somebody else, whether or not it's a guy that they have on the roster or they bring in somebody else. There's going to be somebody else involved. So I try not to let that sway my rank too much. And, yeah, that this rank is really more just like I am very afraid of Travis Etienne. I am very afraid of – uh, Najee Harris, like J.K. Dobbins ha- has his questions. Took all those guys have their questions. I think Ramondre is uh, at least from a. I think he has the best combination of lack of questions and talent. Even though the questions are definitely there. Yeah, well, and I think out of at the time the remaining free agents, the running back market: Kareem, Zeke, Fournette, and um, I'm missing one, Dalvin. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best out of the four that could have ended up in New England for the fantasy value with Ramondre. I think Leonard Fournette would have been a significantly more disturbing consequence because he's a better pass catching back and he can do those things. Same thing with Kareem Hunt. So I think this is the best case for for Ramondre. I, mean, I saw a tweet earlier this week that said, uh, if you liked Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall, they didn't fall in your rankings because of these signings. And if you didn't like them, then they fell in your rankings. Like I think either or, uh, that's how the, these things play out. But I do... I think Zeke is not a one-to-one handcuff like Dalvin is a one-to-one handcuff in these situations. I would not not be drafting Zeke thinking if Ramondre went down, he will be the starter because I do not believe that will ever be the case. Well, he may be the starter, but it wouldn't – if he's the starter, there are – there's at least another guy involved, maybe a a third guy, and Zeke may be the starter but be the 50% as opposed to like I agree with you. If Brees isn't in the picture, Dalvin Cook is probably getting 70% of, yeah. of that backfield, at, at least, in my mind. Yeah, and I, I do, even though I did talk down on the Jets earlier, I do think their offense will move down up and down the field more efficiently than the New England Patriots are going to mm-hmm. this year. Um, and Ramondre is a big part of how that New England Patriots offense will probably go this season. Yep, agreed. Okay, Anthony Richardson uh, is officially the week one starter for the Colts. That has great news. That was one of the the things that we said we were going to be keeping an eye out for. And we will use that to jump right into the player props this week. You know, it's funny. I don't know if you, if you did prep, if you wrote these down, uh, I mentioned to you that his prop had not changed. It was a 2,600 last I checked, but I checked again and it is up to 2,800. So Vegas has bumped that prop up about 200 yards now that he is the starter, but still Anthony Richardson over under 
2,800 and a half passing yards. I can pull up. I, I have like the wrong. I have it at minus 120 on the over. Oh, it's minus 110 on the over and the under uh, at this point. So even even with the bump up, Dalton, how are you feeling about this line for Richardson now that we know for sure he's the week one starter? Yeah, I mean, I'm taking the over. This would be the third least passing yards of any rookie quarterback to start all 16 games. And I think Anthony Richardson has a supporting cast enough to overachieve when it comes to that. And then I came away pretty, uh, at least optimistic, about how he's going to play this year at the Colts, watching him in the mm-hmm. preseason. His pick uh, from everybody who's smarter than me about football have said that he chose the right route. He wanted to throw it to Isaiah McKenzie, who didn't flatten out quick enough when he should have on a corner blitz. It's kind of like if, if you see McCall Harvard not flatten out quickly enough. Yeah. It's like, we just kind of know those guys aren't going to flatten. They aren't, aren't going to yeah. do the little things like that. And Reggie Wayne ripped into him on the on the sidelines after that. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't Anthony Richardson's fault, but he did read the pressure. He did get rid of the ball. He, I, I think he's a good lock to hit on an over of like 2,900 to 3,000 passing yards this season. I think people are overrating how often they're going to make him run and underrating that they want him to pass the ball because, again, Shane Steichen has coached a, a guy in Jalen Hurts who you want to run the ball, but you also know that the passing offense is the way the modern NFL works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to continue to take the over. He's still tw- – I just looked. He's still 26-25 on underdog oh, if really? you're trying to get this at a really good line on their picks. So you can get him at 26-25 for season-long passing yards on underdog. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, if anyone is watching this like tonight or listening first thing tomorrow, shop around a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe those lines have not changed if you're looking to get it. I- I'm taking the over two. Even at 2,800, this is not a uh, a very high number by, by any means. Like uh, – he has to average less than 200 passing yards a game, which I, I think that is very much in play, less than 200 passing yards a game. But he has to be, like, down the one, you know, 175, something like that. I haven't done the math exactly. But I think it's pretty well documented. We both think the passing is pretty underrated from Richardson. The completion percentage, a lot of that stuff uh, was a product of the environment, more so than the product of the player. And I mean, just think about it. If, uh, if Alec Pierce just holds on to that, that long pass the other day, people are probably uh, pretty excited about Richardson and the passing. And it was twice actually. I don't know if you saw Alex Pierce missed two deep throws. I didn't. Say, I, I didn't see two. I know he missed one that was like fifty yards that yeah. that hit him right in the bread basket. He he got hit, so it wasn't like it was just a clean drop. But it's one that you should catch uh, in the NFL. So so yeah, it, it's just funny how some of this stuff works. If one play is made by a different guy, people probably feel even more excited about about Richardson. So yeah, I'm with you on the over. We'll jump back to Dalvin Cook over under 650 and a half on the rushing yards plus 105 on the over minus 125 on the under for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I can't believe this is plus money on the over uh, because 650 yards is not a significant number to hit. No. And I think like a 60-40 share between Dalvin and Breeze is is to be expected going into the season. And again, if you're playing the odds in a game like this, Brees Hall coming back from an, an ACL injury, you you always can bet on him not playing a significant number of snaps early in the season. So I'd take the over on this. I think 650 yards is doable. A.J. Dillon almost had this two years ago in that dual Green Bay offense with him and Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. And he, he only had 120 total attempts, which I think Dalvin Cook will have more than that. Yeah, and this this version of Dalvin Cook, even if we disagree on how good he is, 
I, I think we saw last year that AJ Dillon not really that good. We thought maybe he was, and he's not. So Dalvin Cook uh, better than that guy. Different situation, all that. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I it, it's one of those numbers where it really feels like bait. So I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm taking the over. Um, as well on Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, another one that feels a little strange. Over under six hundred and a half rushing yards for Kamara. Uh, plus 110 on the over, minus 130 on the under. So another one that is plus money and pretty heavy toward the under. Now, obviously, Kamara uh, facing a three-game suspension. And Kamara has also never been uh, a guy to, to rack up a ton of rushing yards. He is as likely to have 600 receiving yards as he is rushing. And I think for that, plus the three missed games that we're already getting, I'm going to go with the with the under here and just, you know, you can probably assume that he's going to miss uh, another another game or two just because that's what happens, and Kamara himself has been banged up from time to time. So I'm going the under based on the, uh, your face. I'm assuming you are as well. And we have agreed on a lot of yeah. these props this year. Yeah. Uh, I am also taking the under. Uh, I, th- I think Jamal Williams is going to factor in here more than we would like him to in the run game. There's always Taysom Hill lurking, and then there's Kendrick Miller. <laughs> Taysom um, Hill is definitely always lurking. That that is what that is what we say about him. He's always lurking, and I didn't know this, but this was a fun fact from the Athletic. The the Saints have the oldest roster in the NFL by three years. Yeah, uh, and the offensive line play, they have a very old roster. You have Armstead, Ramchick, some guys were significant. Not Armstead, he he moved on, but Ramchick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're old, and like this offensive line is good if they're all healthy, but I don't know if they're going to play a full season together. And the Saints as a whole, we haven't done any over-under for teams, but I I am very skeptical of Pete Carmichael's offense and Dennis Allen as a head coach. Um, so I'm just going to lean on the under on the majority of their player props, excluding probably Chris Olave. I'll probably take whatever his over is if we didn't already. We we did, and I think yeah. I actually bet, bet real money on that. That was one of the ones that I bet on. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. I was going through uh, these player props again the other day, and I saw that J.K. Dobbins, his prop was even – because it was pretty low the first time we did it, and it's it was lower by like 50 or 75 yards. And I bet on it, and then I went and looked. I was like, oh, I already bet on it. So now I have two separate bets on J.K. Dobbins. Over, so <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that will go well. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson to get back to the Patriots in that backfield. His over-under, 850 and a half rushing yards. Dalton, this is minus 110 both ways, the over and the under. Let's make this one we disagree on. How are you feeling about this line? Uh, I am taking the under. Or sorry, I'm taking the over on this. Uh, this is uh, another one that feels like bait to me because he his career average over two years is 4.8 yards per carry. He would only need to have 178 carries, which is still below workhorse to hit that. Obviously, I'm doing... I think you're muted, Evan. He was a two. Sorry, he was a two ten last year, even with yeah. uh, Damian Harris being involved. Now Harris missed some time, but but still. yeah, um, I still think Ramondre Stevenson is like skill wise a top ten back in the NFL. There's always a chance he can break away some tackles if he plays a full seventeen games. I think he's there. I still also have hope that this offense is a little better than last year, considering they have an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think uh, I think next week I'm gonna have to grab props uh on players that i know for a fact we we strongly disagree on because i'm taking the over uh not much more to add and i'm assuming we're both going to be in lockstep on travis kelsey uh his line 
1,150 and a half receiving yards. Although I shouldn't assume because Vegas has it plus 115 at the over, minus 140 on the under. Maybe I'm biased, but it, it, that feels a little off. And definitely it seems like the the smart money they're, they're saying is, is on the under. But Dalton, what do you make of this Kelsey line? I mean, I'm taking the over. Like, this is just – you keep betting the horse till the wheels fall off. Yeah. If he was a wide receiver, he'd be a top seven wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, it's – I don't – I don't I, – and, like, the wide receiver room, objectively, and I'm like, we're both huge Chiefs fans, probably took a step back this oh, yeah. offseason. Oh, yeah. Like, and I – no one's really talking about that because Mahomes did it last year with at a least, wide receiver room. At least right now on paper. Now, we'll see. Yeah. If Tony takes a step forward and Sky Moore takes a step forward, then maybe it actually ends up being better. But mm-hmm. I think it. I think it's a higher upside, lower floor group, yeah. which is pretty obvious because they're so young and Tony is the definition of high upside, low floor. So that <laughs> no surprise that the group as a whole kind of is when he's one of the main guys. But... Yeah, I'm with you. You know, Kelsey, I think only twice in the last five or six years he has not hit this number. One of those times was by, like, 25 yards. It was in the the weird Chiefs season where they got, like, kind of figured out for half a season, and Mahomes was really rough, and the offense was really rough. Also, Kelsey missed the game because he had COVID, so he, w- he would have hit it if not for that. Now everybody misses games, but Kelsey actually really doesn't miss games. He's been pretty healthy, knock on wood, ha- has not missed games. Uh, really at all for the last five, six years. So, yeah, I'm taking the over. Travis Kelsey at plus money to hit a number that he just hits pretty much every year. I I just – I can't pass that one up. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw this fun set out there, even though neither you or I believe in it. According to PFF, Travis Kelsey has the easiest tight end schedule of any tight end in football. Uh, (laughs) I I don't think it really means a lot, but for what it's worth, like all the more reason to take the over on it. Yeah, and again, we're both on the over. Uh, I think a detractor could say, well, only one tight end at age 34, which he's going to be midway through the season, has ever hit 1,000 yards like in in this century, so since 2000. Uh, I I think that's Tony Gonzalez. I I just saw the stat somewhere. I don't uh, actually have it. But I I think considering Tony G was putting up like 900 when he was 38, I'm going to assume it was him. Uh, So there is at least historical precedent of – of the fall off, uh, even for the great tight ends happening at this point, but there is no historical precedent for what Kelsey has done as a receiver at the position. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's hard to even use that against him right now. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Dalton, let's get into the meat of the show here at the 27 minute mark. We have got bus. We have got four of them. Uh, I think we've got both of us, uh, some pretty juicy names. I mean, in the thumbnail, pe- people are probably seeing, you know, we remember the Jalen Waddle thumbnail and the bus call from me last year that did not work out. Um, just want to apologize to Mr. Wal- Mr. Waddle for that one. That had nothing to do with him as a player. Everything to do with my Tua and Tyreek concerns. Turns out McDaniel's uh, pretty good. Pretty good at his job. Uh, Dalton, who is your first bust? Would you like to just start off with uh, the thumbnail since everybody knows that that's one of them? Yeah, we can start off at the top of the thumbnail here. Um I at first didn't expect to have Devonta Smith as a bust on my list, but when you kind of look into his splits in last season, I, I actually think he's a pretty good candidate for it. Um, first of all, Devonta Smith's going as a wide receiver 13 on underdog right now, which puts him candidly in the you know best wide receiver groupings. He's going in the early third round. Uh, 
Last season, this is from Fantasy Points and Data, which have some great charts. He was the wide receiver 18 in expected fantasy points. So he already outperformed his expectations significantly last year. We don't punish players for that, but it is always a good indication if there might be something more amiss, which looking at his splits last year, there, there were some problems. So before Dallas Goddard got injured in week 10, Devonta Smith was averaging fewer than 10 fantasy points per game, 9.7, which put him right at the wide receiver 29 overall. Uh, after Goddard got hurt from weeks 11 through 15, Smith went on fire. He went uh, all the way up to the wide receiver five ending the season. And then if you look at their target per route run, when they were both were healthy last year, Devonta Smith was at 23, 20.3%, and Goddard was at 19.4%. I, I think a healthy Goddard is going to detract from Devonta Smith in this offense. Uh, just looking at the total yard share, both these guys made a lot of their fantasy points down the middle of the field. When Goddard got injured, Devonta Smith ran more routes in the middle of the field. I don't expect him to continue to do that this year. I don't think he's going to be a bad player for fantasy, but I think being drafted next to T. Higgins is a, a misrepresentation of him. I don't think he deserves to be that high. I think he should be in the wide receiver 18-19 category, maybe even in, in the mid-20s. Um, so I definitely think he's a good candidate to be a bust. And then the final thing here is if this Eagles team goes on to the run this year, they play the, the NFC for most of the year, uh, they might not be put playing in second halves of games again. And they're not going to need to throw the ball. And that's a huge cost to Devonta Smith and the potential that he's going to have. And I think more A.J. Brown in this offense is always a good thing. Yeah, you know, but we, we did talk about a little bit, not specifically, but we did at least mention recently that their schedule is harder this year, which I think it is. So I think they actually may be forced to to throw a little bit more. I agree with you that they're a good team. There's going to be plenty of NFC matchups where, where they're probably in control. Uh, I, I am not with the, the Devontae Smith bust call, though. I mean, you said he's 13 on, on underdog. 13. I, I have him at 14, so I'm pretty much in in lockstep there. And, you know, part of it is I just want to bet on great players. And I, I do think that Devontae Smith is a great player. I get the splits, but, you know, I think A.J. Brown played every game last year. So Devontae Smith. Uh, so they had good health as far as that goes. Uh, perhaps both of those guys miss a game or two and maybe they're overall like maybe they're more efficient in the games where the other isn't playing and they can help make up for that. Like there's a lot of variables that can help make up the too many mouths to feed. A lot of that sorts itself out just by the players being awesome. Like it's kind of the, the IU thing where it's like, we both have him. I think I have him 17. You have him 16, 17, somewhere in there. There's a lot of guys there, but we're both just betting on the player. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, for me here with Devonta Smith. And, and so you mentioned he's like a late teens, uh, early 20s guy for you. Like, what do you actually have uh, a rank, a new rank for him right now? So I, I slapped him at 22. Uh, just Ooh. some names I put above yeah, him. I was going to say, I need some names because that's the thing. It gets real tough uh, for me to find too many names uh, to put above. Like, once I got past Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I. Like I couldn't do Calvin Ridley above him, but I think you probably have Ridley above him at that point. Yeah, Ridley, DK Metcalf, Amar Cooper, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams. Uh, I Since doing more research, I'm more bullish on the Chargers offense. Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, uh, and Drake London are all guys that I put above him. Ooh, man. Okay, I'm trying to think of uh, 
of a bet we can make out of this because that's an eight spot difference and those are all guys that I have Devontae Smith ranked at. Like I have Keenan Allen twenty four, so we pretty much have uh we, we have we have flip flopped a little bit on like you, I mean I would take I do not want to take Keenan Allen for injury concerns, but I, I would say Keenan Allen has a better points per game than Devonta Smith. Well, how about because you know I have Keenan Allen twenty four, so that's a ten spot difference for me. Let's do who, n- name n- name a couple because I don't want to do Drake London because I love Drake London, so I'm not going to bet against Drake London. N- name a couple others. Uh, DK Metcalf, Mark Cooper. Ah, there we go. Okay, let's do this. I say that Devonta Smith finishes ahead of both. Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen. You get both guys. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Let's do it. Look at me going for the old heads. And I, just to be clear, <laughs> I'm still concerned about Amari Cooper, but he slots in at 19 for me now. I moved him up um, a little bit more, considering I love Dorian Thompson Robertson. He'll be starting over. <laughs> he who gonna, shall not be named. I was going to say, put a lot of faith in uh, Deshaun Watson here. Mm-mm. All right, Evan. Well, I started off spicy. Can you can you get it any spicier with a bigger name? Uh, I think I can. Do you want me just to to start off with with the biggest one right now? I think I think we should just go for it. All right, let's just go for it. Screw it. I've got Bijan Robinson, and now this is kind of like you, where I'm not saying that Bijan's gonna be terrible for fantasy. That he's you know that you're not gonna be able to start. Like he's going to be a starter. He's going to be pretty good. Like. He is going to produce, and he's probably going to have very good weeks for your team. But, you know, I didn't look at Underdog. I looked at Fantasy Pros, Consensus. That that takes, like, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, matches them all together, and, and spits out a number. Like, but he is going as the running back three. And I know he's going very similarly in, in Underdog right now because I just did a draft the other day, which, by the way, hate my team. I, I just – I. I could not – it is flooring how many receivers are flying off the board in underdog drafts right now. I, I took entirely too many running backs early because that's how it worked out. I just – we talked about this in the show, uh, guys that we're afraid that we're wrong on. And I still am afraid a little bit, but I'm just hesitant to elevate a guy that we have yet to see play in the NFL, no matter how good a prospect he is, to, to RB3. You know, we mentioned generational – prospect and that may be true but Nick Chubb has been a generational running back he is going ahead of Nick Chubb in drafts Saquon Barkley while he hasn't maybe had the career that we have hoped for most of that because of injury like a generational talent in his own right coming out and he is you know going ahead of Saquon just to name a couple and I moved him down even below some guys that I, I know you will maybe disagree with. I won't mention all of them because one of them I know is on your bust list uh, here in a little bit. But I mentioned this stat previously. In the last 23 years, is from Sports Illustrated, there have been 51 running backs drafted in round one. Four of those guys, which is 8%, have finished with more than 300 fantasy points. Which, by the way, look at the RB3. That is pretty much what you need to be the RB3 is 300 points looking at the last couple of years. Um, for the most part. And Did then, you use this stat last year? Not last year, but I used it when oh. we talked about Bijan um, okay. in, in the show a couple weeks ago, but I just thought it was worth mentioning again. Nine of those running backs have scored more than 250 points, so you're basically asking Bijan to be in the top 25% of all 51 running backs drafted all time to even be a a second or third round pick. And I th- I, I th- like, I'd feel a lot better about him as a mid second round pick than a mid first round pick. Like I, I'm, I'm cool 
with BJ. Like, I have Marby 9, but I totally get if you want to take him ahead of some of those other guys that have their own issues right now, like RB6. But RB3, to me, like, I just think there's a big difference between RB3 and RB8 or 9 where I have him right now. I, I just think there's a very wide range of outcomes, and the most likely is that he is closer to, like, that second round value. Like, you look at Tyler Algier. He was never our favorite guy, never our favorite prospect last year. But he was good, 1,000 yards. And now people say, well, Bijan's going to step right in, do that, and then some. And he probably will. But also, that doesn't mean that Tyler Algier is just going to get kicked to the curb. That doesn't mean he's not going to be involved in any capacity. Like, this team has the ability to, to baby Bijan, to slow play it early in the season if they want to. Like, people talk about the pass game involvement. Cordero Patterson is still there, could still be very much involved in the passing game. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, both very good prospects, potential to be very, very good players. We talked about, uh, we had the argument with Drake London about the volume concerns in the pass game. Well, if there's volume concerns for the number one receiver in the pass game, there are volume concerns with the, the running back in the pass game. And I, I think people get too worked up about, like, they see Bijan went on a downfield route in practice and think <laughs> Against a linebacker. Yes, against a linebacker. But even if it's against a, a safety or a cornerback, like, how many times is Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey doing, doing stuff 20 yards downfield? Like, it may happen every now and then, but it's just not enough to move the needle to make me care from a fantasy perspective for these guys. Like, I, what happens to Bijan if he's even remotely eased into this job? He, he's not going to live up to the RB3 if that does happen. And I just think that it's pretty pretty dangerous betting on him to to be a historic rookie running back. Historic prospect and historic rookie running back are two different conversations. Yeah, and I have him at RB7, so I think I'm in pretty agreement with you. Like, RB3 is rich. On underdog right now, he is going above Nick Chubb, who is, oh, just might I say, like not only a generational RB prospect, but the, probably the best pure runner in yep. the NFL. Yep. Um, Saquon Barkley, who he he's compared to yep. as a generational running back. Uh, Derrick Henry, who is has you know, been he's, a generational. He, he has a two thousand yard season to his name. You know. Yes. Uh, so like, just those are some guys he's going over. I don't agree with. Um, just to give some pushback on this, though, a little fun stat. Uh, there have been a total of, I don't have it in front of me anymore. Uh, I think it's in the last five years, a rookie RB has finished in the top six, four out of the six years. So there's definitely reason to lead people to believe that they're going to, he's going to finish high. My concern would be in agreement with you, Tyler Algier. Uh, is a player who is going to be a factor in this run game, probably annoyingly so. And then secondly, like they came out today and they said he's going to get 10 to 12 touches a game regardless, mm -hmm. that being Tyler Algier. Yeah, and, you know, not sure if we can take that to the bank necessarily. We know how that goes. But my rebuttal to, to that stat, to anybody who's using that stat, would be, okay, so take him at RB7, RB6 at least. Like, RB3, you are taking what you think he can be and pushing it to the 99th percentile and taking him. And again, you're doing that with all of these top guys. You're taking that high, but we're doing it sight unseen with Bijan. So it's just a different level of risk and one that I'm not taking. Now, could I see a world where like Bijan is the RB 
18 for the first seven weeks, and then he's the RB3 for the last, you know, eight, nine weeks of the season. Like, yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see that happening. And then it's he and Brees Hall as RBs one and two next year. But I think it's a little bit of dynasty brain creeping into to this ADP with Bijan. Well, I just think the last part of it is like that other players on this team, like Saquon Barkley, competent offense, Tony Pollard, competent offense, uh, Nick Chubb, competent offense, Derek Henry, run, the offense runs through him. Mm-hmm. All of those players, like I don't have questions about where the offenses are going to go. With Desmond Ritter at quarterback, there is a non-zero chance that the offense absolutely falls down to the floor and Bijan can't get anything going because teams mm-hmm. don't care about putting nine men in the box and stopping him every game. Um, so you're also taking a player on what I would consider an objectively bad offensive unit. Mm-hmm. All right, Dalton, I think you should uh, go with your guy who I specifically did not mention, but I have him ranked ahead of Bijan still uh, at the running back spot for your second bust. Yeah, if anybody's listened to this pod for more than two years, they're not surprised this guy's on my list because I think every year you'd be argue about him. Uh, but it's Josh Jacobs. Uh, last year, he made me eat crow, and he was finally good for once in his life. Hey, uh, th- easy. <laughs> this year, I think he's going to go back to not being the greatest player. Uh, first thing, just looking at it, every year that a running back has led the league in touches – they have followed up the year and not been an RB1. In the last 12 years, only two running backs have led the NFL in touches and finished as an RB1. One of those was Zeke after his rookie year, and the other one was Derrick Henry. Uh, I think we can agree that Zeke just had more pop because he was a rookie, and Derrick Henry is just a different human being. Uh, so that's my first concern with Josh Jacobs is there is a massive amount of wear and tear on his body. The he second he thing, is still only 25, though, so he's still in, yes. in the right age category. Yes, uh, the second issue I have is, again, just like I was talking about with Bijan, I just think the Raiders are going to be a terrible unit. And last year, Josh Jacobs had to do a significant amount of work on his own. And I do not want to bet on pl- the player who had the third most runs of 20-plus yards doing it again on a team with the 26th-best offensive line from Brandon Thorne. It just means he's going to have to create a lot of opportunity on his own. Right now, he's going as the RB9 on underdog. I like him closer into that 12 to 13 range. I actually, this is going to make you puke, put Najee Harris one spot above Josh Jacobs in my rankings. I simply cannot get myself to the point where I think Josh Jacobs is worth drafting. We have a situation right now in Oakland where we don't know Vegas. quarterback. Vegas, sorry. Old brain. Uh, where we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. It could be Jared Sidham. It could be Jimmy Garoppolo. And then just to cap all of this off, I do think Zamir White is going to be a bigger factor in this offense this year. Josh McDaniels comes from the Patriot way. They are pretty exclusive on not factoring in most rookie running backs. It took a generational talent in Ramondre Stevenson to even get Bill Belichick to consider that his rookie year, and that still only led to 166 touches. I think McDaniels wants a running back by committee. Now, between Bolden, Amir Abdullah, and Samir White. I was going to say, the thing is, Josh Jacobs is miles better than all these guys. Yeah, um, but I think they're going to rotate guys in and out more often. And I think this offense is probably like a bottom five unit in the NFL come this season. I think Derek Carr did more for this offense than we 
are willing to believe, and it's going to be very obvious come this year. Jimmy Garoppolo, if he's the starting quarterback, is a guy who historically has been very bad under pressure. Among 35 quarterbacks over the last two years, he ranks 33rd in on-target throws when facing pressures. So I just don't believe that they're going to be a good offense, and that's just going to lead to more difficulties for Josh Jacobs. And along with the touch concerns, I just don't believe he's going to return his value as RB9. Yeah, I, I think the, the just the fundamental difference here is I'm betting on the player. You're not betting on the player. You've never bet on this player. I've always bet on this player. So it, it kind of is what it is with us and Josh Jacobs at this point. But And I think in the history of the pod, it's one and one. <laughs> so, so this year could be the tiebreaker. Well, he the, the year that we had the Miles Sanders versus Josh Jacobs bet uh, – I won. I won that one. So and that then and then Leon you know, last year, uh, I didn't have him necessarily super high, but I know he was. Pro- I didn't predict what he was going to do last year, but I still probably had him higher than you. But but yeah, we'll we'll see. It's either one one two one. I don't know, but yeah, I just you know, I agree that they do have a QB downgrade, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much worse off uh, Josh Jacobs himself. Will be. I think he's still going to get volume. Now, could they work other guys in? Yeah. Will he lead the league in touches again? Not likely because it's just a, you know, by definition, not likely thing for the same guy to be the literal top guy in touches back to back years. But I'm betting on the player. I'm betting on him overcoming situation because that that's what he did last season. And the whole thing with Jacobs has really been when he's healthy, he's good no matter the situation. When he's healthy, he is a RB1 type of guy, and he's just been banged up and either missed time, that's hurt his cumulative finish, or played injured, and he has has performance hurt by that. Last year was really the first year where he was mostly healthy, and I think that along with the increased volume, but I do think the the health part was a, a huge, huge part of him being able to finally put together the season he did last year. And again, I have him RB8, so I'm not ranking him like he's going to do what he did last year, but I'm definitely higher uh, than you are on on Jacobs. That is no surprise to, to anybody. We'll, we'll just keep it with the, the early round guys. I'll jump to my next one here with Mark Andrews. Now, I have no issue with Andrews as the tight end two. I actually have Andrews as the tight end two. As usual with us, with tight ends, it's not about... Uh, where they fall in the positional ranks. It's more about where he falls just in the 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 whole ADP, the just the all position ranks. And right now, he is the number 28. I, I've actually seen him cycle back and forth between 27 and 28 in the last couple days. He, he is a top 30, let's just say, uh, all-around player. So an early second-round pick, according to that Fantasy Pros, consensus and just for me it really comes down to the value-based drafting thing that we talk about with tight ends that are not named Travis Kelsey there is a 15 spot difference right now between he and the tight end three which is TJ Hawkinson a few more spots behind that you will find George Kittle and I just don't think there's a round and a half or round and change difference between those two guys like the current ADP is showing up which you know a round and a half that may not sound like a lot but you're looking at a ton of very, very good receivers and running backs who are going off the board between where you're picking Andrews and where you're picking one of those guys. And that's just like, you look at last year, weeks one through 13, and I take one through 13 because that's when he had Lamar Jackson. He, he was about two points better than Hawkinson per game, but Hawkinson also got traded uh, and had 
some turmoil midseason with that. On the season last year, Hawkinson actually outscored him, finished as the tight end two. Hawkinson is now in year 1.5 of that situation. I guess I'm not I'm not sure why any gap really exists between. I'm not advocating to, to hire Hawkinson at all. I, I just am not sure why we're putting Andrews right back up at 27, 28 overall. And, you know, we keep saying it. This offense, we think it's going to be different. We think it's going to be really good. But are we sure that it's going to funnel through Mark Andrews? Now, will Mark Andrews lead this team in targets? The the smart money is on yes, I think. You're shaking your head no. I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he won't. But I, I would still bet on Andrews. But I would bet, like you look at last year, Baltimore's three receivers are at 4.7, 3.5, and 4.7 targets per game. That is not going to be the case with these three receiver sets that they, I mean, it's preseason, but they trot out uh, 11 personnel about 85% of the time uh, in their first preseason game. I I just think we're going to see a lot more three receiver. We're going to see a lot more uh, receiver targets in this offense than we have in years past. I think Dobbins will be more involved in the passing game this year than he has been, which is to say he's going to go from being almost a zero to, you know, Kind of to, to kind of <laughs> to kind of involve. So I'm not saying much for him, but all of that is kind of eating away at Andrews. And like just just to me, I don't think Andrews is some like undeniable tight end to like just real life football. I think Kittle's better. I think he and Hawkinson are very comparable. You look at Kyle Pitts. I think Pitts has more upside as a player than, than Mark Andrews. Now he hasn't proved it. I'm not saying take Pitts ahead of Andrews. I'm not saying they should be going like back to back. But I just don't think he is undeniably better than the competition behind him. Like I do with Devonte Smith compared to some of those guys. Uh, and then like, even look at you and I disagree on Waller, but I can agree that if Waller is healthy and he's the, the old Darren Waller, like Waller has as much upside uh, as Mark Andrews. So I just don't like the value and the spot that you have to take him. And then you just kind of look at his production the last couple of years he has the one year where he was over 1,300 yards. That is the outlier for him. That is not the norm. That's the outlier. He's never been over 900 yards. Other than that, he's had a couple of years where he's hovered around that number. I-, I took his best season outside of that crazy year. was 2019, which he was at a little under 900, and he had quite a few touchdowns, like 10 touchdowns that season, which I believe Lamar's MVP year. So makes sense that that was that year. He would have finished wide receiver 20. And running back 20 last season as a position, if you just take him and cross him over. In his second best season, he would have been running back 20 and wide receiver 24. You're not taking that in the the early third round. And I think that's, that's just the thing with Mark Andrews. Yeah, I mean, I think the 28th overall pick, which is where he's going on underdog, is absolutely egregious. I, I mean, he played a full season and TJ Hawkinson played a full season and TJ Hawkinson was the better player last year. Yep. And Lamar Jackson being injured does hurt Mark Andrews a little bit, but you couldn't ask for a better situation. I mean, they were pulling guys off the street to play wide receiver and Mark Andrews just couldn't get it going. Yep. I think to end the season, I, we looked at this as one of our biggest busts last year when we were reflecting on the season. He, he was Mark, your, he was your biggest bust, yeah. I think, at the end yeah. of the year last year. Yeah, Because I think he was the wide receiver 18 over the final six or seven weeks. The, the uh, tight end 18. Tight end yeah, tight end. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I do think we have spent a few years trying to find the Kelsey and that he's getting the 
the other Travis Kelsey bump, and I just don't think he is. I agree with you. George Kittle's a better real football player. Uh, I I have Darren Waller over Mark Andrews. I think I'm going to move TJ Hawk into what tight end three. Um, and I just don't expect a lot of tight end usage out of Todd Munkin's offense compared to the wide receivers here. I think he'll still have his games. He'll still be all right. I don't think he's worth the top 28 pick, especially – I mean, I would take Josh Allen, who goes one spot above, above over him. Yeah, I, I, I am much more likely to look at the the three elite quarterbacks than I yep. am uh, than I am Mark Andrews early in a draft. Yeah, I mean, you have T. Higgins two spots above him, DK right under him, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Amari Cooper, Jameer Gibbs. I would take any of those guys over him. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with me calling Josh Jacobs a bust, I would take Josh Jacobs. If if you put a gun to my head, I'd take Josh Jacobs over. Mark Andrews in that spot. Man, that that must be really tough for you to say. Who's, <laughs> who's, who's your third bust? Uh, no surprise if you've listened to this podcast over the last couple of weeks, but I have Kenneth Walker here. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll notice again, I haven't mentioned injury with any of these players, and I won't hear. I don't think the current injury is why I'd rank him as a bust. He's been a bust for me most of the offseason, uh, and there are a couple of reasons for it. So last year, it is slightly concerning that the only reason we even got Ken Walker to be a starting running back is the injury to Rashad Penny. I'm a fan of Rashad Penny, but we do have to ask ourselves how good Ken Walker really is because we know the other running backs in that room were absolutely awful. DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, both guys have to find new jobs because they didn't want them in Seattle to end the season. Uh, so just starting off there, you have to ask yourself that. Um, despite being the only show in town, Ken Walker only averaged a 7.2 target uh, share. He just doesn't catch passes. Uh, then you have the fact that they drafted Zach Charbonnet at 42 overall, literally one spot difference between him and Ken Walker in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think that shows you how the front office value these guys. Zach Charbonnet does all the things that Ken Walker doesn't do right. He's a better pass blocker. He is a better pass catcher, and he is definitely a better runner on first and second downs. Last year, Zach Charbonnet led all running backs in first and second down conversion rates. He is legitimately the best running back in that metric. And that's up against guys like Bijan and Jameer Gibbs in this draft. Uh, I think Zach Charbonnet, had he been in a different class, could have been a lot of people's dynasty RB1 in draft classes. He's a very, very talented back. So the level of competition has already gone up. Then this is a very interesting stat. So there have only been 16 rookie running backs to hit the following thresholds which is 200 rush attempts and 1,000 rushing yards. Of those, Ken Walker was one of only three running backs not to break the 200 half-point PPR points. Uh, Him and Damian Pierce, both in this class, were players who didn't break that and are outliers to it, uh, which I think is a major concern to his workload. The other one, if anybody's wondering, it is Trent Richardson. uh, (laughs) Oh, God. So very concerning um, there. I don't think Ken Walker is necessarily a bad guy, but he is a boom or bust running back. You're right. We, we, I really don't think he's probably that bad of a guy either. He could no, be pretty he's nice. he's probably a nice guy. <laughs> um, but 65% of his fantasy points came in six games last year. Like, he is very boom or bust. If you watch him, he wore down over the season. You can just stat watch this and, like, his – Yards per carry gets worse almost every game. I think Pete Carroll is more than willing to give him enough work where that that boom potential is there. But I think Zach Charbonnet is going to take more work away from him than we would like to believe. And then the last thing, uh, the Seahawks just were really betting on a really good efficiency edge here. Last year, the Seahawks ranked 30th in average time of possession. 
And then if you go back the last four years, they've been in the bottom 10 in the NFL every year. They, they don't like to possess the ball heavily. They like to play defense. They like to just churn the clock out and play the game. Um, but they were ninth in points per game. So you're really betting on another Geno Smith year of him moving them up and down the field, which I don't like to take that early of a bet on when there's so many other question marks around Ken Walker. I have moved him down to my RB23 and moved Zach Charbonnet up to my RB26. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I think Zach Charbonnet is the, the better value in this backfield, and I will continue to draft him as much as possible. I wish I had the stat in front of me. I know I grabbed it at one point for a different podcast and just don't have it in this doc anymore. But it's something like I think Kenneth Walker had seven carries inside the five last year, and I think he was one for seven on on goal line opportunities. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, was not most the, the most successful in the goal line opportunities or just short yardage in general. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is a guy that can immediately come in and uh, contribute in that way. Um, I have Walker at RB18. Uh, is his ADP? I, I didn't look. Is it around? RB17. So I'm right around ADP. Um, I could definitely see where it can go wrong. This is kind of, the, you know, this is that range of running back I was talking about after, after like Ramondre, where it's like all of these guys have questions. And like for me, the next guy, James Conner, you know, older guy gets hurt a lot. Not just not my favorite player, but the workload should be there when he's healthy. But there are downsides. Uh, Miles Sanders, uh, kind of the same deal, but he's just younger than uh, than James Conner. Uh, Damian Pierce, I have twenty one. You probably have lower, but uh, uh, questions that that you mentioned. K uh, Makers there as well. Yep, Cam Makers. I think I have him twenty three. Uh, Alexander Madison twenty two. So it's just a it's a lot of grossness behind him. So he's kind of the best of of that group for me. Um, I, I still like, I liked him as a prospect better than Charbonnet. So like, if there were no Zach Charbonnet in the picture, I think I'd have Kenneth Walker, like, I don't know, RB 10, like he'd be a a top 10 to 12 running back. So I I think we're on the same page in that we're both dinging him for the Charbonnet involvement. You're just, uh, maybe not quite as high as Walker, the player as I am. And that's probably the the small difference, but yeah, what, what is definitely concerning is like, if you read Matt Waldman's RSP profile on Zach Charbonnet, basically what he said is the receiving stuff is going to take some time. Uh, but a first and second down back and like a pass blocker, he, he can do that. And specifically the first and second down stuff. And it's like, Oh, that is not really a compliment to Kenneth Walker. That is a, that is exactly what Kenneth Walker also does. So there, there is just concern with with overlap, uh, concern uh, in turn about what the Seahawks really think about Walker and how he should best be used. Because you know, like you said, the plan was he and Rashad Penny, and of course Rashad Penny got hurt. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll see how how that backfield unfolds this year. It's definitely I have him at eighteen, but he is not my favorite guy to draft at that value. I will say that. Yeah, I I think. I am pretty confident in thinking that he's not going to last the season as a guy who has more than a 50% snap share most games. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end awesome. of the year, I think we'll see a pretty a pretty 50-50 split. I'm also a huge Charbonnet fan, and I think he is – he got very underrated in a class with two guys who are probably some of the better prospects coming out of college football over the last couple of years. Yep, agreed. Okay, my last two, I think I'm going to make uh, like – Fantasy hipster is pretty upset if they if they come across this with my last two guys. Um, I'll start at the running back position with Rashad White, who 
we've not been fans of. Uh, I have him as the RB33. He's going as the RB27. And frankly, I'm a little surprised he's going at the RB27. If you just do a Twitter search for Rashad White, uh, you find nothing but positivity right now about what his workload's going to be, what he's going to do in this offense, all of these things. So I think the ADP, while it may be RB27, I think he's going to go higher than that in probably a lot of home drafts. There's going to be one guy in every draft that looks at the backfield, that looks at the just the raw stats from last year, and is like, yep, here's my workhorse. Our RB23, Rashad White. And I just think that would be a mistake. Like, I don't think people who scout the NFL draft closely would say this is crazy. Sean Tucker was at least as good, if not better, of a prospect coming out of college than Rashad White. It just so happened that Tucker had his draft stock plummet due to a heart condition. Like, I think that is a a very real thing. So how involved will he be this year? I don't know, but there is that risk. Like, talk about a guy that could lose his job. I would not be surprised if the off-field stuff, like if this is a Trey Smith situation where the stock falls and then all of a sudden, like, he's just, he, he's fine. He's on the field. He's in practice. He, he, the health stuff is mostly behind him, it seems. Like, if that happens for Sean Tucker, I would not be shocked if this is at least a 50-50, if not a 60-40 the other way, with Tucker as more the explosive outside zone runner and Rashad White as the pass catcher in this backfield. Like, I don't know, man. We, we've talked about it a lot. Rashad White was very inefficient last season you look at a lot of metrics and it's he and Leonard Fournette and so that's not to say that there's anybody there doing much better than him but you you, you don't love well, he was worse than Leonard Fournette yeah. the majority of those and yeah. he's a rookie he's yeah. not a 29 year old exactly guy. yeah he's not not on the downturn although he is old like he's like 25 20 he was old for a rookie um he and Fournette were 41st and 42nd and rushing yards after contact last year per PFF so I should like this is just and I'm not saying he's Miles Gaskin, but this is kind of feels like the Miles Gaskin thing again, where we're really just doing the who else is there. We're projecting workload, and I'm just gonna say it again: teams will always find another guy if a guy's not good. And Rashad White was not good last year. Could he take a step forward as a player this year? You know, he could. He's even by even though he was an older rookie, he's still a young NFL player, so maybe he could, but. I mean, you're looking at a guy who I think his best attributes are in the passing game. He was in an offense that passed literally more than any offense in NFL history last year. I do not think that will be the case with Tom Brady not at quarterback and Baker Mayfield and maybe at some point Kyle Trask at quarterback for this team. And then, like, this was the ultimate. Not not to pick on Alex Caruso, uh, the fantasy analyst, not the, the NBA player, but he is the, the ultimate uh, Rashad White booster right now on Twitter <laughs> and just a, a quick search he was ul- also the ultimate uh, Miles Gaskin booster back in the day too so I, I just really feel like the these two storylines are lining up uh, to be quite similar he, he had a tweet the other day running backs who average 15.8 touches per game over a full season 99% of the time top 20 77% of the time top 12 and I just am waiting for someone to tell me what they like about the player. I'm I'm just waiting for that part of the argument because I haven't heard it, and I, I don't think that part exists. That's also a ton of touches. That's over 240 touches per game. Yeah, yeah, which, that's not like – I just want to throw that game. out there. 
like that is also immediately slating him in to play 80% of the team snaps. Um, but I'm with you. I did a fun little scroll of underdog ADP. Uh, right now, Rashad White is RB28. I have to scroll all the way to the RB38 to find a player I would take Rashad White over. Mm-hmm. And that player is Devon Chain. Players who I would take above him that are under him include Alvin Kamara, Isaiah Pacheco, Dalvin Cook, Antonio Gibson, AJ Herbert or Dylan. Khalil Herbert, Rashad Penny, Zach Charbonnet, Brad Robinson, and then even below that, Samaje Pirine, Jamal Williams, Damian Harris, Elijah Mitchell, Tyler Algier. Like these are all guys I would. Com- I think. Uh, I, See, I, I, I don't think I'm. Even, I don't think I'm that low, but I'm. I'm at He's least by RB thirty-seven right now. Yeah, so I'm thirty-three. So I'm. Yeah. You know, we're we're same ballpark. You're slightly lower, but yeah, I just. You know, I I just would love somebody to give me an argument besides what volume they think he's going to yeah. get because we're, we're really bad at predicting that. Like, okay. It's one thing to say, Nick Chubb's going to get 17 carries a game. Like, yeah, Nick Chubb is awesome. Tell me something about this guy's game that you like, because you have a guy in Sean Tucker coming in who has more than 3000 all purpose yards in this last two seasons of college to his name. Very, very explosive outside rusher. And you also have an offense that, if we're predicting situation, this offensive line, this quarterback room, like I'm not feeling fantastic about either one of those. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say here, and I've said this before, but go look up Xavier Valaday. The the whole pre-draft talk for Rashad White last year was how great he was in the Arizona offense, and he had like a thousand receiving yards. Xavier Valaday, who went undrafted and is currently with the Texans, had the same, like almost the exact same stat lines this year. And I, I think it's a little bit of fool's goal. Like, I think Arizona State might just use their running backs in this way. Uh, and none of the arguments you're seeing are what he does well because he didn't do a lot well mm-hmm. on the NFL level last year. I think he had one good run in, like, week six last year, and everybody lost their minds. And he continued to fight for snaps with Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Who's your last guy? Uh, my last guy, like, again, this one shouldn't be surprising to anybody who has it. Uh, it's Christian Watson. He's wide receiver. I, I am shocked that Austin Eckler is not on this list. You didn't. You didn't want to go on that limb. I did it last year. Yeah. I felt like I was reusing guys. Uh, Christian Watson's wide receiver twenty one. I read my ranks. He's wide receiver thirty on my ranks. Uh, it was really hard for me to put some proven guys above him, like Chris Godwin. Like I, I have a way easier time adjusting bad quarterback play for a player I know is good than bad quarterback play for a guy that was good for three games last year, which is what Christian Watson essentially did. I did a fun little uh, stats and info search on our boy Jordan Love to find out how good he was at Utah in college. And surprise, surprise, he was not very good. Um, Jordan Love in college on passes traveling 30 or more yards over his four-year career had a 28% completion percentage which and what I could find among qualifying college quarterbacks is bottom 10% for guys getting drafted. I mean, this is like all time bad. So right off the gate, I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't think Christian Watson is going to be getting a ton of deep bombs from Jordan Love. And I think that immediately attracts some of his value because he's a, he's a straight line speed runner. Um, then you jump into a bit of like Watson's year last year. He's the definition of a regression candidate. He scored six more touchdowns than expected from uh, ESPN fantasy stats info. So yet again, I don't think he's going to be redoing that. I think going from an MVP caliber quarterback with a broken thumb is 
a significant downgrade to a guy that they wouldn't even extend to his fifth year contract and resigned on a clown contract because they didn't believe in him. Mm-hmm. I also think this offense significantly goes slowing down. I don't think they're going to be passing as much. They're going to try to grind these games out and play with their defense. And I don't think they're going to be a particularly good team. And then the last thing here is I think where Christian Watson excelled last season was getting the ball in space. I don't think he's going to get that option. A lot of defenses are going to be scheming completely around him on this offense. He's going to be the primary one receiver in most of their receiver sets. Uh, And I also think that he now has target competition from a player who is better than him in Jaden Reed. I think Jaden Reed is See, I I like Jaden Reed. It might be a little much to say he's going to be better than him right away, but... Like, I think Jaden Reed is a better route runner. I oh, think yeah, yeah, Christian yeah. Watson is a better athlete. For but sure. I think this offense is going to reward the guy who can run clear routes. Because a lot – and this is – 30% of his touchdowns last year came on broken tackles. Like, he just has to get in space, and I don't think he's going to get those options this year. So I think wide receiver 30 isn't a crazy shot. I, I kind of feel like he might be this year's Gabe Davis where we're really expecting a step forward in improvement and then for him to continue this insane TD pace – but unlike Gabe Davis, he doesn't even have an elite quarterback or an elite offense to leave him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. He's a guy that I think there's still he he's got a lot of great tools, still a little bit lacking in the route running department. I'm with you. Like I would rather bet on Terry McLaurin, Drake London, you know, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, uh guys. Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk for sure. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, guys who... Chris Godwin? Yes, all those guys. But with like... Jordan Addison? With like Drake London, not Jordan Addison. Um, <laughs> with with guys like, like Drake London or even uh, Deontay Johnson, like guys like that you mentioned, just like Terry McLaurin, in situations that are not great, but we know these guys are good players. They are superstar caliber NFL players in the case of Deontay Johnson or yeah. a guy with superstar upside and Drake London. I... I don't think Watson has that. I think uh, the the Mark Tavis Bryant comp from from Matt Harmon I think is a good one. Um, what a surprise! Matt Harmon has a good wide receiver comp, um, but I, you know a guy that can make a lot of big plays. He's going to win you a lot of weeks, but he himself is going to be inconsistent even in the good situations. I think and the situation is far from good. So yeah, I'm almost in lockstep with you. I have him at wide receiver 29. So yeah, we're we're pretty yeah. much one the same here. I I guess like the only thing I don't understand is how you're taking. We are discounting Deontay Johnson because he's in a bad offense, but there is no there's no reason for anybody to believe that the Packers' offense is going to be good. In fact, it was pretty bad last year for the most part of the season with a better quarterback. So I just don't understand the ranking of putting what we know to be elite wide receivers below him, and I will continue to rank him lower than the elite wide receivers. Yeah, I think this is just the case of people getting excited about a potential second-year breakout. Like, I, I know Dalton, you and I were listening to this podcast together. I don't remember who said it. But but somebody said, you know, if Aaron Rodgers were there, I'd have uh, Christian Watson up around where Garrett Wilson's ranked right now. And I about drove off the road. It's like, there's no, yeah. there's, no, there's no way you think that those guys are similar tier of player and could do similar things with Rodgers at yeah, quarter I mean, So I think that's probably the biggest disconnect. Yeah, I think we both think Jahan Dotson is a better wide receiver yep. than him. And I, I actually have Jahan Dotson ranked over him now. I have Jahan Dotson at 29 and Christian Watson at 31. I, I have him a little bit below, but yeah, not not much. Okay, my last guy, uh, my second guy who I, I know that this one, like when you look up Jerry Judy, 
It is nothing but pot. He is the most popular breakout candidate I think I've ever seen. At for least, the second year in a row. At least for probably the third year in a row. I mean, he was, you know, everybody was expecting great things from him as a rookie too. I mean, this is a guy who, he was good finally down the stretch last year, but on the whole has been a disappointment for a couple of years. Now he's had injuries, that bad quarterback play. He's had some of the stuff get in his way, but he's also a guy that didn't grade out extraordinarily well in reception perception. He has holes in his game. He is pretty good against man coverage, really good against press man coverage, not good against zone coverage. Like they, This is a good wide receiver, but not a complete wide receiver, not like a no-brainer number one wide receiver on the NFL offense. And like, I love Sean Payton. I, I think if Russell Wilson is fixable, Payton will do it. But what if Russell Wilson just isn't fixable? What if last year kind of is what he is and better coaching, organized coaching, all of that just makes him slightly better in, instead of what he was last season? And, I mean, we're not ranking Russell Wilson like he's going to be, uh, you know, some big breakout after a bad year. He's not in anyone's top 12 right now. So I'm just hesitant. I know people are going to look at the total finish for Judy last year. Just under 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 21. But you look at it. He had 154 yards against what was a lifeless Chargers team in week 11, week 18, for some reason, last season. 117 of those yards came in a 51-14 to 14 loss against the Rams. And then um, three of his six touchdowns and nearly 18% of his total fantasy production came against the Chiefs in that game in Denver last year. So this is a guy that was great down the stretch from a production standpoint, but... You also look, he finished outside the top 40 like five times last season. He finished between wide receiver 20 and 40 two times. So there's really not much of a medium with him. It's either a big game or he gives you next to nothing. Like even if he finishes wide receiver, let's say 25, I don't think the ride's going to be wide receiver 25 worthy. And he's going higher than that. He's going wide receiver 22, and it's kind of like the Rashad White thing. There are enough people predicting the breakout of Jerry Judy that I think that ADP will continue to climb toward that wide receiver, like 20, 19, 18 type of range. And, you know, what I don't buy also is that he just leaps and bounds ahead of Cortland Sutton, who is going way, way later in drafts. Marvin Mims, who I think has upside, who I like a lot. Marvin Mims didn't even play in their preseason game. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Like it, like everyone's going crazy about that great route that Jerry Judy ran on on the slant against the Cardinals, who project to be one of the worst teams in the NFL in the second quarter against backups in a preseason game to score a touchdown. Like I just, I think we are kind of like with Bijan projecting this guy at close to the ceiling outcome. Uh, for him, like people take that end of the season and and they say, well, he was wide receiver, whatever it was, seven down the stretch. So wide receiver 21, not crazy at all. Like that's a median outcome. I think that was just probably part of the roller coaster for Jerry Judy last season. And I just like bad offensive line. We've seen that already, you know, quarterback play. That's very questionable. Like I just like, I'm not taking him over Drake London, Brandon Ayuk, Chris Godwin, all those guys you mentioned. Uh, and he's going ahead of all of those guys right now. I just, I don't buy him uh, as the player that everyone says. And I certainly don't buy him as worthy of this draft slot. 
Yeah, this is a player who everybody is still relying on their pre-draft comp, which yep. was he was one of the best route runners in, in college football. Yep. Uh, but that that really hasn't transitioned to the NFL. He, for a large part of his career, has been outperformed by Cortland Sutton. Um, now there is camp hype that Cortland Sutton is in his 2019 form. I'm not really reading yeah, much we'll into see. that. We'll um, but what I will say is that the the Broncos tried to trade Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton this offseason mm-hmm. and didn't get any offers to their liking. So I'm pretty confident in saying he's not an elite player and he's being drafted close to elite. Um, and then you're just relying on Russell Wilson being better. Uh, Russell Wilson was the highest pressured quarterback in the preseason against the Arizona Cardinals, who have a very bad offensive line or defensive line. And they weren't they weren't even playing starters. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm also not confident that this offense is going to be able to get a lot of going with 37 year old Russell Wilson getting chased out of the pocket continuously. Um, so I'm just not a big buyer in Jerry Judy either. Him and Christian Watson are 20 and 21, and I agree with you. I I also like. With Christian Watson, I can see an argument for him to reach into the top twelve. Like it, it's there with Jerry Judy. We have three years yeah. of of data, and it, I mean, I just don't see it, and I don't think anybody who's watched Jerry Judy really sees it. I love it. There's a lot of people that think they see. No, it. I agree. Well, there have to be because he's wide receiver twenty. <laughs> well, like I just, I said, just just after we we quit the show here in a second. Go search Jerry Judy on Twitter and just just scroll it for like three minutes because it is it is crazy how excited people are about this guy. Crazy, yeah. And I like, would take... and like he's a he's a good player. Like I I think he's a good NFL receiver, but like again, he is going right around like Terry McLaurin, who I think is just leaps and bounds better. Like I just like there there are so many guys like Chris Goblin, better player. Situ- like, will the Buccaneers situation be that much worse? Than Denver looked, this year? I mean, it, it, we'll see. He's just Christian Kirk in a worse situation. It, it could be. <laughs> I think that's as fair as it gets. I, I agree with you. I think he is very likely to underperform ADP for the second year and third year, third year in a yeah. row. How many, he's, he's not going to perform. Uh, how many times would we teach this lesson, old man, is what it comes <laughs> down to Jerry Chippy. All right, Dalton, I have a couple guys I just wanted to, to mention before – we hopped out of here. Uh, sticking with the Broncos, uh, Greg Dulcich. Uh, I think this may be uh, PTSD from Albert O, but we are getting uh, some scary signals out of Denver with Adam Troutman and Greg Dulcich and what that involvement might look like. I just say that to say uh, maybe people should think twice about Dulcich as like their streamer tight end they take at the end of drafts. Maybe see how that one plays out uh, in the regular season. Tua, purely injuries uh, with him. And then George Pickens, like Matt Canna, still there. Pickens ran nothing but go routes last year. Like it was a 12-year-old calling plays. It's probably going to be that again because nothing has changed as far as that goes. I think he'd have to take a pretty big leap as a player to, to live up to his price, which maybe he does. But I like Deontay Johnson a lot better. Pat Fryermuth was second on the team in target share at 18% when Kenny Pickett was the quarterback. Pickens at 16%. I think Calvin Austin, not from a fantasy standpoint, but just uh, from a taking away from George Pickens standpoint, will factor in a little bit. This is a guy whose best skill is deep, vertical. Uh, As I just said, Matt Canna likes to call that. We saw Austin have the the preseason highlight. Like, I just, I I think there are other guys I'd rather take the chance on than than Pickens at his price. Any any names you want to mention before we hop out of here? 
Yeah, I, I did have four as well that I did get to. First one, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, slow passing offense. He's wide receiver 22 right now. I think he, he finishes outside the top 24 pretty easily. Traylon Burke's health uh, may be pending with that one. Yes. Um, and then they'll just put three receivers on or three cornerbacks on D-Hop and just see <laughs> what happens. Uh, I have Dak here. I think losing Kellen Moore is a very underrated loss for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see where that goes. He's being drafted as QB 10. I think he deserves to be like QB 14. Uh, Debo Samuel, I think out of every receiving option in this offense, Debo Samuel is the highest drafted other than CMC. I think he loses a lot of work because CMC is repetitive to what they would like to use with Debo. And then David Njoku, he's being drafted all the way at the the tight end seven now on underdog. Oh, wow. And I, I don't really see a path that being viable. And I don't want to take too many shares in this Browns offense as I have to. And I think he's just a guy like he's just another tight end. Yeah. Njoku is kind of, uh, he, he's like, uh, kind of like the tight end version of Jerry Judy. Uh, when yeah. we're, like we've been waiting for this guy and he's done some good things, but never consistent. I, I think this is probably a lot of uh, uh, looking at the quarterback and looking at the tight ends that he propped up in Houston and thinking the Joker is better than those guys, which he is, but there are also other weapons in Cleveland who I think are more talented. Yeah. And my last honorable mention is any tight end drafted between rounds 80 through 140 in your drafts. Uh, they will be busts. Either take a tight end earlier, either take Travis Kelsey early or take two tight ends in the draft. Fair enough. Although I think Pat Farmuth is going in that range. And I, I kind of like that for the reason I just said in the, in the Pickens uh, section that he, he's, Pretty nice little target share with Kenny Pickett, a quarterback. He is going 109, so I regret to inform you he will be a bust. (laughs) Uh, Agree to disagree. I think that's where we have to end it, Dalton. I don't know if I can say another word to you after the the Friar Moose slander. That's going to do it for episode 113 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube. uh, Link to all those things in the show notes. As always, on the YouTube, we will respond to... Any questions uh, you guys may have during the show as well, we appreciate all of that support. The show is available, Spotify, Apple, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star review on both those platforms. And we'll be back next week with, I think it's my guys' time, big show next week with my guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again, all three of us, I hope, next week. 